Alana. Yes. JLo. Yes. We were just having a conversation about mindfulness mm-hmm. and religion. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we have. Do you want to go into it a little bit? So I posed the question about, and I've talked to you about this another time before, that some people feel um, when they're washing dishes, it's therapeutic to them. And I don't see it that way because I see dishes, washing dishes as um, a mindless chore. And we proceed to talk about why you thought that it could be therapeutic for someone to do the, the dishes. To clarify, it's not that I consider washing dishes a form of therapy, but I've heard people or read about reports in the Buddhist community of talking about how it's a great way to practice being in the moment, which is a form of mindfulness. So, excuse me, specifically, I'm thinking about Chogim Trumpa Rinpoche. I know that he would talk a lot about, um, you know, when you're doing dishes, it's a task to where people tend to zone out a lot. But if you focus on really being present in that moment, like concentrate on the way your hands feel when you're washing the dishes, notice how the dish is becoming clean while you're spreading the water and soap upon it. It's, it gets you into the mindset of being present. So if you can, if you can practice mindfulness while you're washing dishes, you're more likely to be aware of what your friends are doing in that moment instead of zoning out. I don't know if that makes any sense. It, it It's still confusing to me, but, <clears throat> and it does sound very new agey. I think it is a, I think it is a new age. Um, it is a new age r- ritual, if I'm not mistaken. I don't, I don't know about that. I have some issues with Rinpoche, yeah. but he is a respected in some, in some sects of Buddhism. Mm-hmm. However, he also does have a little bit of a new age feel in some of his stuff. I think it it is a good practice. You want to find things that are a little bit boring so you can practice being in that moment fully. That just does not make sense to me. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, usually if it's something boring, I'm like, I want to get it done. So I can do what I want to do. But that's the idea. If you can be in a boring moment, it's easier for you to be more present around other people or more aware and more there when something is going on in your own life. So you fully experience life. That's still, that's still um, something. Really? No. I would love to do some meditation stuff with you sometime. I'd like to do a study on meditation with you. So, so here's a, there's a stark difference here. There, there are some little bits of commonality, but very, very little. So, um, you talked to me about the monkey mind, correct? Yes. Uh, when your mind wanders and you're thinking about other things and you're not present, yada, yada, yada. Is that, is that right? That's a basic concept. Now okay. keep in mind, I'm no expert on Buddhism. I have gone to some lectures and right. done meditation for a number of years, but I'm, I would hardly consider myself a scholar in Buddhism. Okay. But you have the basic, uh, you have the basic um, understanding about what that's supposed to be. Hopefully. Okay, so in the Christian faith, um, you'll hear a lot of people talk about the spirit and the flesh. The flesh is anything worldly, anything carnal, anything that is outside of, uh, outside of thinking on spiritual things, 
related to God, right? So okay. anything outside of that realm, uh, if you can call it a realm, I don't know, uh, in the realm of thinking. And uh, for example, I, I, I lay out an example that I have, I remember sitting in churches and it's almost like 12 o'clock or maybe one o'clock and the service is almost over and I'm thinking, hmm, what am I going to have for lunch? I am so hungry. <laughs> and I'm thinking, no, 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 I should not be thinking about it. this is terrible. I have to, I have to concentrate. But that is called the flesh because you're thinking on fleshly things. You're thinking on worldly ideas. You're not, you're thinking outside of God's will and you're not, you're not focusing on God right now. It's focusing on yourself. And in the, in the, um, as far as meditation goes, the Bible does talk about meditation, but it talks about meditating on the law of the Lord, uh, meditating on the word that, uh, what you have been reading and, uh, keeping it in your heart so that you remember it the next time. But it has nothing to do with emptying out your mind. It has everything to do with, uh, uh filling your mind up with what you just read and thinking about it, thinking on it for, uh, thinking on it day and night. Um, so it's a totally different thing with, you know, it's, it's a totally different thing in contrast to, uh, emptying out your mind to be present in the moment. There are many forms of meditation, but you kind of had it on the head. The one I prefer is the breathing meditation where you just try to concentrate on your breath. The idea is that you're emptying your mind, you're, you're giving your mind a pause to help to process things, right? So, for example, let's say, let's say I'm studying religion and I'm reading some heavy books on Buddhism or Judaism or even Christianity, but I'm not sure where I'm going with, every, with all this stuff, right? I meditate for, let's say, five to ten minutes. People will claim that you should do longer, but that's generally what I can take. Okay. I'm giving my mind pause, and by doing that, when I go back to what I was reading, I'm able to process it a little bit better. So it's like, you know how you'll take a nap sometimes in the yes. middle of the day? Yes. And you may be worn out by the time you fall asleep, but hopefully when you wake up, you've rested a little bit. Your mind is a little bit more alert than it was before that nap started. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think meditation is a slightly different thing, though, for me anyway. Mm. Because I don't see it as taking a nap. Um, there is a lot of scripture that talks about resting and that God is, is compared to as a, a refuge and a resting place. You know, some, some, a soft place to fall, rather, right? Uh, but I don't. I don't think about napping when I'm meditating. I don't know. Or when I think about meditation. Um, it's the best analogy I could come up with on the top of my head. I right? mean, I think there is. So let's let, let me, let me give you an example um, of um, maybe of some form of pausing, so to speak. So um, in the Psalms, if you ever read the book of Psalms again, which I really recommend that you do because it's a beautiful book. Um, so the Psalms are basically songs of poetry. And sometimes you'll see in the middle of a Psalm, you'll see the word Selah. 
right? S-E-L-A-H. Selah. That's a beautiful word. It is. Selah is um, a word that is supposed to mean pause. Like um, it, you pause and then you refrain the song, right? Um, I think it's important to pause and think about what you just read because th- there's some beautiful stuff in the Psalms, especially um, when you read the Psalms uh, and there's like a lamentation there's a lamenting in the psalm, or uh, there's there's also psalms of praise, but there's also psalms of lamentation. It's beautiful stuff, and sometimes in the middle of the in the middle of the um, the psalm, you'll see the word "selah," which is like a pause. And I think it's it's a it's a really beautiful. I, I'm 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 thinking that maybe they wrote the the psalmist wrote it uh, to so that that whoever is reading it will pause and think about what they just read. Uh, and I'm 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 guessing I, I should look into that. Don't quote me on it, but I'm I'm guessing that's what it is. But I should look on it, uh, look on that because I'm actually kind of curious to um, what Selah really means. I think it means pause or reflect or on something like that. But I'll come back to you on that. Um, <clears throat> but I think it's talking about pausing and reflecting on what you read, but not emptying out your mind so that you can reflect on it again. Yeah, it's a little bit different. It's different. I have, I notice when I'm in a zone, meaning that I'm meditating every day, consistent time, regular amounts, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm able to operate better. My cognitive abilities are stronger. I process what I'm reading more. I notice what my friends are doing. I'm a better friend. I'm a better lover. I'm just on it a little bit more than when I'm not meditating and when I'm not following the practice. Hmm. But Buddhism also has the idea of, I shouldn't say, this is my interpretation of it. Okay. Right? Because there are so many different forms and I could be getting it wrong. Oh, right. Because I'm a white guy and... We get shit wrong a lot. You should not have to apologize for that. I'm not apologizing for being white. Okay. Black people get stuff wrong too, but I'm not black, so I'm not (laughs) phrasing it like that. Or so do Indian people. Yes. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Anyways, the way I understand Buddhism, let's just say that. Okay. Is that consider Buddhism like a boat and you're riding down this river of life. Buddhism is meant to take you across the river, but once you're across the river, you no longer need the boat. So it's just, it's a tool to help get you through this passage of life, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I'm using the tool correctly, I'm, re- I'm doing a better job at navigating these rough waters. And when I'm not using it to the best of my abilities, which is probably a better word than correctly in this terminology... When I'm not using it to the best of my abilities, I'm a little bit less on on it. I can still navigate those waters, but not quite as well. That's really interesting. Yeah, and you, if I'm correct, see Christianity as this all-encompassing thing. So it's this thing that it's helping you navigate the waters, but once you get past to the other side, you're still going to have the boat of Christianity. So, so, so I actually, you're, you're, you're. You're not quite, you're close, but it's not quite like that. Tell me. I see it as a race. 
you're uh, you're going on a race. There's a lot of things that you have to do um, on this race, but the but the there is a reason why you are on this race, and it is to get to the finish line. But after the finish line, there's something else. So the finish line being uh, death. After you cross that finish line, there is still something to look forward to. So right now, obviously, I'm still on my race, um, but I don't see it as a, I don't see it as a, a nice long journey on a boat. I shouldn't phrase it maybe like that. What I meant to say is, you believe that the tools of Christianity will still be applicable applicable to you after your spirit has left this incarnation. Absolutely, it is. Okay. That is what that is what Christians, um, that is what the uh, um, the big one of the biggest um, things about the Christian faith is that this life is preparing you for the next one. So just because you end your life here you can look forward to something even more beautiful in the next one. But you have to, you have, there are, there's a lot of obstacles to overcome. You have to face trials and tribulations, but that's also testing you. That's also testing how strong you really are in your faith. Uh, Because once you cross the finish line, uh, you will be judged for all of that. And you will, you will be judged, you will be judged for all of that but you do have something to look forward to. Just to clarify my own beliefs. Okay. I'm not a Buddhist, but I bring up Buddhism a lot because I associate it with meditation, and I believe that meditation is a great, great skill that people should pick up, and I regret not doing it earlier. Having said that, I lean in a way toward what you're saying about I don't know if there's an afterlife, my assumption would be that there probably is and that this, I would consider this lifetime is some sort of like a school. So you, you might be judged in some way based on what you do here, but I don't go the Christianity route of, you know, I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to be meditating in the next life. Now, who knows? Maybe that's all I do in, in, in my next incarnation is meditate. But as of right now, I don't see that as being the case. So I see these these are the spiritual tools I'm using to get through this class. Hmm. And when the next class comes, it might be a whole different set of rules. But but you're still going to hold on to the concepts of Jesus, you believe? Oh, of course. Hmm. It's you're right. It is an all encompassing thing. Um, everything revolves around it in my own life. Um, Too there, much. Uh, no, it's. It's not too much. Okay. What are you talking about? I'm joking, babe. Oh, my goodness. Go ahead. First asking, then mocking. What's sorry, up with sorry. That? Go ahead. Mocking, sorry, mocking. Keep going, keep going. Okay. Well, it, yes, it, it, you are right. To me, it's a all-encompassing thing as well it is, as it should be to the the Christian who is, um, is doing, is trying to uh, navigate uh, throughout their, navigate through their life right now and uh, uh, you know, it, it was never, it ne- nobody said it was, a, it was going to be easy at all, but I think, um, the, you know, trials and tribulations really do, uh, shape a person to how they are today, whether they take it well, or they, they find a way to learn, you know, whether they take it badly or they find a way to learn from it. And, uh, you know, I'm this, my story isn't over yet. My story is still being written. 
and um, and uh, that's uh, and because I don't know what's going to happen uh, for the rest of my for the 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 later parts of my life, it's that makes it so exciting. That's why life is so exciting. You just don't know what's going to happen. I think it would be fun to do a book exchange to where you give me a book by a Christian theologian. And I share a book with you by maybe someone like Prima Chodron or someone of that nature. And we discuss it here. I gave you like a book on like a, a, by C.S. Lewis or something. Yes. He wrote a lot of, um, he wrote a lot of um, books about, there, there's a book that I read in college that was really interesting. It was called The Four Loves. You ever heard of it? No. I did. I have not read *Mere Christianity*, but I read *The Four Loves*, and it talks about um, it talks about um, *Storge*, which is like a friendship love. I think there's *Familial*, <clears throat> *Storge*, *Eros*, which is erotic love, and I'm talking about like the the romantic uh, love. And then there's *Agape* love, which um, in Christianity you'll hear that a lot because *Agape* love is unconditional love, and we strive to to um, learn how to give that. Am I correct that there's uh, an agape church in Los Angeles that has a pretty well-known choir? I don't know. Okay. I have no idea. But in terms of agape love, uh, the Christian wants to um, wants to strive to give to be able to um, give agape love to other people, because that's how Jesus gave love to people was through agape love. Unconditional love, and you, and you hear that a lot. So, uh, but but I think I think the Four Loves is a really good book to read. Mm. Yeah, and uh, and uh, he also wrote another book called Shadowlands, which was about the death of his wife. But you don't have to read that. Okay. But how he dealt with it, but um, yeah, I haven't read a lot of C.S. Lewis books. I've only read um, the Four Loves and the. The uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which is the first book from the Chronicles of Narnia, which is really fun to read. Actually, I, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about reading those books. Interesting. Yeah, I'm thinking about reading um, the later books that I haven't read in that series. Well, what, we'll get to that at some point. Okay. Maybe not today. Maybe yep. not tomorrow, but soon. Yep. And for the rest of your life. Well, maybe not for the rest <laughs> of our life. We don't have to talk about it until our death. <laughs> This will become a show just about C.S. Lewis and your <laughs> reaction to his books. Uh, yeah. For now, yes. we've done political news exchanges in the past. Mm-hmm. We've discussed doing it at some point yes. in the near future. Yes. But what do you think about doing a religious uh, literature exchange? Um, or religious podcast exchange? And, it, it's, it, and I'm going through it as a mindset of Buddhism, even though I'm not a, Buddhism, a, a Buddhist again. But because I really like a lot of the th- things I've heard about Buddhism through the lens of white people. You had to mention that? I have to through mention that because black, Buddhism, white people. the reason I mention <laughs> that, I'll, I'll give some context here, yeah. is because Buddhism is different around the world. Yeah. And so I, a lot of what I'm seeing it through the lens is an American white guy who probably listens to too many other white people on the subject. Uh-huh. Right? right. So that's why I bring that up. Okay. But what do you think of exploring this idea of um, the spiritual exchange? I don't know. Maybe it's possible. It, it might be possible. I mean, I, I am big on educating myself about different religions just to be educated. 
So if somebody tries to talk to me about their religion, at least I would know what to expect. Right? I, I would love to do meditation with you. I don't know if I would be open to that. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to be honest right now. It's super easy, babe. I would love to do a, I'd love to do a study on meditation with you, but not actually meditating. Oh. If that even makes any sense. You mean the form of meditation that you practice, which well, is well, reading I, the Bible, thinking about Jesus. And... Wow, you just sound so off-putting by that. I'm not into the whole Jesus thing. Uh, let me ask you a question, and Go you ahead. don't have to answer this right away. But uh, it seems like every time I talk about that, um, you seem a little bit, you seem like you're kind of shying away from it. Is there a reason? Yeah, I, I'm not into the whole Jesus thing. I think, to me, it's a glorified cult. That doesn't mean that I don't love you. How is it a glorified cult? Explain that, please. You either believe in Jesus or you go to hell, is my understanding of it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, that's... Um, now, I'm speaking... I, I'm speaking to um, as far as a, a person who reads the Bible a lot. That's what it does say in the Bible, but, but I'm not going to be the person that will say, you know, turn and burn, right? You know what that means, right? You go away from Jesus and you're fucked, basically. I didn't say that. Okay. Turn to God or burn in hell. I never said that. But a lot of people Concept have, is but a lot of people have this assumption that if you talk to a Christian, they're going to tell you that you're going to hell and that's not correct. I can't, I can't be the one to judge that. Um, uh, but what it says in the Bible is clear, but I can't be the one, uh, as a person, I cannot be the one to be the judge, judge of that, whether somebody is or not. Right. And I'm not saying that you're saying that I'm going to die and go to hell, but I am concerned though. I'm concerned about you too, babe, because <laughs> I, I think I'm good. Uh-huh. I've had an out-of-body experience. That doesn't We're, We are not going to get into We're that. not going to get into this and we've talked about it before because we, this is not the time or place. No. But I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think I'll, I'll think about it. Okay. I'll think about it. My issue has to do with what happens to a kid who is born a Muslim, tries to be the best person he can be, dies at age 10, never hearing about Jesus. Does he still go to hell? Um, the kid, it really, so... This is where I can't really I can't really judge on that, okay? Because if you are and we talked about the age of accountability. It could be any age. It could be 3, it could be 5, it could be as old as 70 years old. Um but if the if the child knows right from wrong and the child has heard the gospel, or maybe they haven't, right? We're saying that for the sake of this argument, they have not heard about Jesus Christ. I don't know that this child would. Would go to heaven, honestly. I, I couldn't tell you that. I don't know. So God puts this kid in an environment. Kid doesn't choose where he's born into. He's born into a place and a time where he does not hear about the teachings of Jesus Christ. He dies and he goes to hell, even though, to the best of his knowledge, he was trying to be a good person. That's one of the places where Christianity... Well, that's just, just it, that, though. The, what, what you have to understand here is you cannot get to heaven based on the merits of your goodness. 
and some people have not been able to understand that and they don't and some people just either don't understand it or they don't want to understand it because they don't want to feel like they're going to be judged um, based on uh, what they've done in this life. Um, I can't speak to that little boy if there is a little boy that has has been born in it and and I would imagine because we've talked about places that maybe were even more remote than, than whatever country you're thinking about, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that people have, I would imagine that people already have gone to those places. It's hard to say because I don't, I don't know anyone who has, but that doesn't mean that anyone hasn't gone to like the Ozark Mountains or um, the, uh, the most remotest of parts of the world to preach the gospel. It's, it's hard to say because I don't know. Uh, there are people that have been able. I'm sure that there are people that have gone to Tibet, and that's a very, very Buddhist country. There's that's a very, very Buddhist uh, place. Am I correct? I believe you are correct, but it doesn't just have to do with Buddhism, right? And there may be people. First of all, I think that they're always discovering these tribes that haven't been that have been out of communication with the rest of society. I believe last year in the Amazon they discovered a tribe, and they think that. They haven't been in contact with the outside world for something like 10,000 years. Really? Yes. Hmm. Well, I, I don't, I mean, I would think that if there is, if there are tribes, I'm sure some groups have heard about them. And uh, there, there are, there are missionaries are going, there are, they are really going out of their comfort zone and um, and going to remote areas, like even the like for example the Alaskan villages, right? They do they have villages um, with with tribes still living in their in those villages, like Alaskan Alaskan Native Indians, right? Um, there are people that haven't there are people that don't go there very often, but um, <clears throat> but I'm sure a lot of them. Um, a lot of Christian organizations have been there and will go to remote areas of the world. Christianity, I could see it as a path to God. But again, my big bone of discontent is when Christians say that it's the only path to a spiritually fulfilling life. I I just generally don't believe that that's true. I just don't know how anyone, and I'm not just talking about, I'm not just talking about you, but I'm, what I'm concerned about is I just don't know how anyone can live a life where they, where several ways, several, where where believing that several ways, um, can get to heaven. I just, I, I would be very confused. I would be very, very confused that, um, if I lived a life where I believe that, there are several paths to go. And because, for example, here, here, and maybe this may not be a good example, but I'm trying to think of a good one. Go ahead. What if you're, listen, what if you're looking for a house? Okay. It's the only house you want to go to. You're looking for somebody's house and you're going, you're walking, you're walking and you're trying to find the pathway to somebody's house, but you're taking all these alternative pathways because you think it's going to be the shortest way or you like to watch, maybe you want to look at the scenic, go to the scenic route, right? You want to look at the scenery. But the more you go off the path, 
you're going deeper and deeper into, I don't know, like a forest, but you're not finding the house. And the only way to get to this house is to find the actual path and go straight to the house. But what you're doing is you're you're going broader and broader and broader, but you're going down a you're you're going towards a dead end because you're not getting to your place. And the point I'm going to make, and we can get off of it because I know we have a lot of things to talk about, is I just don't know how anyone can live a life and and take all these paths but not get to the right destination. I don't understand. I would make the argument. I that would be very confused. I would say that. The house example is actually a really bad one because there are different paths to somebody's house, right? No, but what I'm saying is what if there's only one path that you need to go to, but it's a narrow path, but you're, you're taking all these wider, broader paths, but you're not getting to the house. You're just getting, you're just going off elsewhere. Okay. So let's, let's get off of the house analogy Okay. because I don't think we're going to see eye to eye on that one. You were born Filipino in Hawaii. American first, yes. Amer- Your parents were both Filipino completely. Yes. Okay. Except for Spanish heritage, but Trump doesn't like Spanish people, so we don't know. We don't have to talk about that. We don't know. He never said he didn't anymore. like them. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't do that yet. All right. <laughs> 1980. Yeah. Two JLos are born. Yes. One of them being you. Right. Okay. I would hope so. In Honolulu, right? Yes. Okay. Follow me here. Okay. I don't know where you're going with this, but okay. Uh, I'm a white guy born in Portland, Oregon. Uh-huh. I know people who have been born in Ghana, in Israel, mm-hmm. right? Mm. Different religions, mm-hmm. different parts of the world. Why should we assume that we each have the same path to follow in this lifetime. And it, and, and it goes further. Like, I'm attracted to poetry and the arts. Mm-hmm. As am I. But I know other people in my life whose main focus is psychology and the human mind. Right. If they were to focus completely on the arts, it would be horrible for them. And while I'm intrigued by the human mind, if that was my main focus... I probably wouldn't do too well on it. So just like we have different paths in our own life. I'm not sure where you're going with this. I'm, follow me here. Okay. Why would we have the same path as far as spirituality goes? Well, first off, you're talking about abilities, right? You're talking about abilities and talent as what people are inclined to, correct? As far as what people are inclined to, but it's also impacted by their environment, where they're born, what time frame they were raised in that type of thing. Well, well, you're talking about two different things though, because yeah. So what I've, so what you're talking about two different things, a path of life that people have chosen or, or something that they're really passionate do, about. Do you want me to break this down in even simpler terms? No, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to process this as I'm talking. Okay. I, I think I kind of understand what you're getting at sort of, and I could be completely wrong about it, but, but what you're talking about is <clears throat> abilities and talents you are, um, you have the ability to write poetry. I love poetry. I don't write it, but I, I love, I love listening to it. Um, I am more inclined, uh, to music because I've studied music. I love music. I've always loved music when I was, you know, since, I've, since I've been a, a little one. Um, 
but but what but what what I'm guessing you're talking about is abilities, talents, creativity versus spirituality. Is that, am I right about that? Let me see if I can break it down in even simpler terms. Okay. Because I can go on these rants. By most accounts, there's something like seven billion people in the world. Right. Why should believe? Why should we believe that there's one spiritual path that is correct for everybody? Well, uh, and and we can talk about this later because I do want to talk about other stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I I I will say this for the sake of a uh, time that um, I will I will we should come back to this at a later time. And I think we could um, discuss it in depth and maybe bring it back to a different episode or another episode. I like that. Thing. The next episode, because um, we, there is a lot to talk about because we did see some really cool movies last night. Yes. But first we need to kiss because you're, you're getting a little intense. Baby. Mm. I am not. Here you are. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, Jay, well, give me another kiss. Mm. Mm. How am I getting intense? I'm, I'm passionate. Oh, that's good. Babe. Does that make me intense all no. the time? Uh, on this, it does. Okay. Because well, I disagree with you. Alana. Yes. We watched two movies last night. We certainly did. Go ahead. They both were very, very good. So, um, you have, you said in the last episode that you only watched 10 minutes of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and said you have to watch the whole thing. And I, every time I watch this, this, uh, fun family classic i always want chocolate afterwards which i didn't i didn't get after i watched the movie but i love that movie i thought it was really funny um i thought that gene wilder as willy wonka was the best willy wonka that 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 was ever on screen i did see um johnny depp's version of charlie in the chocolate factory which followed the book more but i didn't like his willy wonka i liked gene wilder as willy wonka because he was the best um, but I love this movie and I'm glad I was able to share it with you. What did you think? I really enjoyed this film. I'm glad you did. I'm not inclined to family movies, but I like this one a lot. One of the things, I'll give you a few key points of the movie that stood out to me. The one little girl who found the ticket and she's talking to her friend on TV. She's like, hey, hey, hon. Hey, Cor- Cornelia? Is that her friend? Cornelia. Hi, Cornelia. How are you, sweetie? How are you, sweetie? <laughs> and then she goes on this rant about how much bubblegum she chews. Yeah. That even during dinner, she'll take it out and put it behind her ears. Yes, yes. I believe her mom tries to stop her and she says something to the effect Cool it, mother. Cool it, mother. I'm the one on TV now. That was hilarious. Yes. I cracked up when I saw that scene. That she was so funny. She, yes, I would have liked to have seen more of her in the movie. She was great. She was probably yes. one of my favorite, um, my favorite kids in that movie because she was just like she didn't care. She's like, ah, I'm, you know, I'm eating this gum. You know, <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> I would put her right behind Charlie. Yes. I had a fun time watching this film. Yes. Now, do you want to talk about the other two kids, uh, the three kids, Veruca, Veruca Salt? Um, Augustus Gloop and Mike TV. They play with stereotypes a little bit in this film. You have the German kid who cannot stay away from the chocolate and who yes. ends up drowning. Yep. Which is funny, I thought. <laughs> yeah, he went at the pipe. <laughs> Even though it's a little questionable. But how, okay. how is that stereotypical, though? There's this thing in Germany where they're supposed to be really, really into chocolate. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Uh, see, I didn't think of it as stereotypical. I um, knew this girl whose parents were from Switzerland. Oh, yeah. And Switzerland, I believe, and I, I am horrible at yes, geography, Swiss, but the like Swiss right on the Swiss do make chocolate, yes. She told me that she visited as a kid, uh-huh. and when she went to the supermarket, there were like two ro- rows dedicated to chocolate. Was this in Switzerland, or was it in Germany? This was in Switzerland, but again, it's on the border. Oh, no, the Swiss, the Swiss are known for their chocolate and their swatches. Right. So I think in that area of the world, it's like... Of course, you're going to have the German kid who's obsessed with chocolate, right? So there's a reason to go to Switzerland. Yeah, but Germany is different than Switzerland. But they're right next to each other, babe. So it's like yeah. Portland versus Vancouver, Washington. You know, if I talk about the cultural differences between Vancouver and us, mm-hmm. uh, they pay sales tax. And we they don't. have a different, they technically have a different governor. Right, exactly. But there's really not much difference beyond that. That's true. Yes. Okay, okay, you make a point. Um, but but I would think that the English, too, because the English um, are into chocolate as well. Yeah, I mean, it's not a huge... It's just something I noticed. That this kid cannot... This German kid cannot control his love of chocolate. Right, exactly. I thought the spoiled kid was really funny. Yeah, she was great. Oh, it's so funny. He has 10,000 tons of ice cream. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're a rotten mean father. You never give me anything I want. But I want it now. <laughs> that Oh, she played it so well. It's mine. I got a golden ticket. Because cause somebody got it before her. And she's like, I got to have that ticket. You know, very spoiled. But she, but she was supposed to be that spoiled. And um, the director specifically told her that she had to be really, really nasty. And she, she played it to a T. She was really good. But according to the the lady who actually played her, she said I had a hard time doing that. I'm I'm actually a really nice person. <laughs> but she was so good. She was excellent, and so was her dad. Do we know if any of the kids from this movie went on to appear in anything else? I don't know, but what, what, but I wanted to get you. I want you to tell me if you liked. Um, what did you think about my TV? This kid is dumb as He's as dumb fuck. as doornails. Yes. He's, he's as dumb as a doorknob. You've already seen the girl turn into a blueberry. blueberry. Yes. You watch this other kid go down the incinerator. Yep. You saw the German kid get obsessed with chocolate and drown in, in the machine. And yet you're going to jump on this machine that's untested <laughs> and be shrunken into a little person so you could say you're on TV. Right, exactly. When you were already on TV when they interviewed you. Well, that's the thing, though, because um, I loved how this the story panned out because it shows that, you know, if kids watch too much TV, this is what's going to happen to their brain. Uh, if kids are spoiled and they're not disciplined, this is what's going to happen. They're going to go down a garbage chute. <laughs> if a kid is eating too much chocolate, this is what's going to happen, and you're going to go uh, up a pipe to the fudge room, you know, in order, you know, uh, almost boiled, you know. I mean, and and uh, you know, vi- and this is what happens when you chew a lot of gum and you don't even think about it, right? I guess. But um, but what did you think about Charlie? Because Charlie was like my favorite kid besides uh, Violet. I mean, obviously, the film is based around him. Yes, it is. He's a great character. My slight thing is that he's so goody-goody. 
That's what, it becomes a little bit unbelievable. You know what I mean? Well, that's how he was portrayed in the book, too. Yeah, I know, I know. But it's like, I understand that this is a kid's film. Yeah. And oftentimes you have to show things, or the perception is, is that you should portray things in black and white. So there's no nuance. You never see him doing anything bad. The closest thing to him acting out is when he mildly disobeys Willy Wonka, stays behind in the room with the bubbles, and his grandfather says, it's okay if we have a drink. Right, yeah, because they were, you know, and and they end up um, flying up to the ceiling, almost almost clear. Uh, it, it was implied that they almost went out, out of the atmosphere. No, it was right? implied that they almost went into the ceiling. Oh, the fan. ceiling, the ceiling fan, I'm sorry. The ceiling fan, you're right. Um, but, but they were going too high and then, you know, and, and I thought it was hilarious. Shall we tell them about, uh, towards the ending? Go ahead. So Willy Wonka was really upset and dismisses Charlie and Grandpa Joe. And he's, he's, he's talking to Grandpa Joe and Grandpa Joe is really upset. And he's like, you know, where is the lifetime supply of chocolate? It's like, there is no lifetime supply of chocolate. You're like, you're wrong, sir, wrong. And he goes, you... You stole fizzy lifting drinks, and you, and, and you bumped into the ceiling, which now needs to be washed and fertilized and, and sterilized. I mean, washed and sterilized. <laughs> I thought it was so funny, but when, but well, we won't get into the whole entire ending because you have to see it. It's really great. It's a similar to the book, though. It's similar, but not completely similar, like the Johnny Depp version of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is. I can tell you really don't like the Johnny Depp film. It's okay, but it I just like the classic one better. The 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 um there's slim there's slight differences in the two thousand eight version because that's when it came out. Two thousand eight, two thousand nine. And um it's it's more geared towards the book, but I like the classic better. I like the classic movie better. I thought it was. I th- I just thought it was more delightful and. It was really good. Really fun, yeah. I enjoyed this film a lot. <clears throat> and and would you agree that um, that uh, Gene Wilder um, <laughs> uh, showed his uh, you know did the same uh, Gene Wilder comedy that he has done in um, other movies in this film because he I thought he was great. I would agree that he did sort of the stereotypical Gene Wilder performance. Yes. Yes. But he's he's great. It's like he's funny, but he's also a little bit insane. You know what I mean? Nobody can do him like him. Nobody can do him like him, right? So, so would you agree that he played the role very well? Yes. Yes. What do you think about this scene where, where um, they go to the park, this park area, right? And this is where you see the blades of grass. And it's supposed to be like um, everything is edible, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when he sings, "Come with me, and you'll be in a world of your imagination." And he's he's looking at he's you know everybody's eating and they're playing and stuff. I love that scene. It's a, it's a good scene. scene. I generally one of the things that was a little bit confusing to me is there's these songs in the film, but it's not really a musical. No, it's not. It's not tip the typical musical, necessarily, because you don't you don't see you don't hear these songs like every five minutes. I still liked it though. Yeah, I thought the music was. 
I thought the music was um, there at the appropriate times, though. It was good. Yes. Yes. I thought Grandpa Joe was, was great, whoever he was. I don't know. He's probably gone now. I'm sure he's long dead. He's long dead. They got I think, rid of him. Huh? They got rid of him. <laughs> I think the kid who played Charlie is still around, but he's no longer in Hollywood, from what I understand. Uh-oh. No longer in Hollywood. 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 But it was good. I really liked it. I liked the uh, the math and the, 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 the teacher, Mr. Turpentine. Yeah, he was fun. Class dismissed. Class undismissed. <laughs> Class redismissed. Redismissed. <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought it was great. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Thank you, babe. Mm-hmm. You had never seen Young Frankenstein until last night. I heard about it, but never seen it. It was a weird movie. It was funny, but very odd. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Do you want to tell a little bit about the storyline? So what I understand is Professor Frankenstein or Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein, is um, is a science professor. Am I correct? I believe so. He's a science professor, but he refuses to he refuses to acknowledge his family name, which is Frankenstein, and and I guess in that German, they were in Germany, right? Is that Germany or New York? They were in New York first. They were in New they... York first, and then somehow they took a train to Germany. They didn't. None of the people spoke German, but they all had like German accents. Right. Okay. Like. Okay. Okay. So, so it starts off in New York. He's a science professor. He refuses to acknowledge that he's a Frankenstein because his grandfather, his grandfather was Frankenstein, and he just refuses because apparently his grandpa Frankenstein was a freak, and. Um, a lot of things ensue. Um, he is engaged to Madeline Kahn's character, correct? I believe so. Elizabeth, who doesn't want her lips, her hair, her nails, her clothes to be touched. But she loves him but as she he's leaving the train station. loves him as she's leaving the train station. Yes. Um, and somewhere in the middle, he finds a body in a grave, correct? Him and his assistant, Igor, go to a funeral, and when everybody leaves, they dig up the the casket. Which is really weird. And they implant, um, he he, he has the abnormal brain, right? Igor goes to get the brain of, I think, the person who was buried. Yes, right. He gets scared because of the thunder and lightning, and he drops the brain. <laughs> yep. So he sees this other one that's labeled abnormal, and he just grabs that one instead. Yes. And doesn't tell Frankenstein at first. Nope. And so um, it's, it's kind of interesting with the uh, relationship that Frankenstein um, forms with uh, the giant. He doesn't have a name, I don't think. The body had a name, but I forget what it is right now. I forgot, too. Um, and, uh, so he, he gives that man, that giant, uh, part of his own brain. Frankenstein does, correct? At the, near the end of it. Near the end of it. Yes. But I, I think I, I, sk- I think I skipped too far. Um, shall we talk about Gene Hackman's character? Cause I know that he was. Blind. He was a blind guy. What did you think about that? <laughs> I I've heard people say that they don't like Gene Hackman in this movie. And I'm talking about. People from our community. Mm-hmm. I get it because it is a really bad stereotype of blind people. Yes. 
having said that, it's not like Mel Brooks is has devoted his career to taking, you know, low shots at, at the blind community. This is a couple of jokes in a movie. Yeah. To me, it's like, eh, it feels a little it's, tasteless, but it feels that way because I'm of that community. Well, and, and also, it's supposed to be a comedy. Yeah, it's, it's not supposed to be. A, the film isn't an examination on blindness. Right. I do think that there are questionable things that are put in, for example, sitcoms that are stereotypical of what what people think blind people should be doing, like counting steps or, you know, things like that, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's something questionable, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna protest a show or a movie just because I don't like it. No. And honestly, if I wasn't blind, I'm sure I would find the Gene Hackman stuff really funny. Um, if we're gonna be honest. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. What's what's your take on it overall? Um, I I thought it was kind of funny. I mean <laughs> I didn't see. I didn't think of it as anything serious to yeah. really get upset over. I mean, you know, if he had fun making the scene and people were laughing, I mean, that's that's all I really care about, really. It's more than that. I don't think Mel Brooks. I don't think he was like. I don't think Mel Brooks was like um, trying to be really snide about it. No, I don't think. I you know I haven't seen a lot of interviews with him, but I don't think he's out there talking about how much he hates blind people. No, Or no. that we need to be institutionalized. Right, 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 right. He was a filmmaker. He was trying to do something funny. It it, it kind of works for me, but not completely. But I'm also aware that I'm. it's because I'm from that community. Yeah. And so I accept it for what it is. If I'm willing yeah. to laugh at the way other people are shown in this movie and other films that are questionable, yeah. then I got to accept that other people are going to find this particular scene funny. So speaking of uh, scenes with blind people in it, I forgot what movie it was, but there was a, a girl that was a... She had a small role in the movie. I forgot what movie it was, but she was trying to put things in a blender. And I think she put like a fish in there and some weird things in there. And it's like, hey, anybody want some? <laughs> I had to laugh at that. Yeah. I'm like, that is really funny. There was a blind <laughs> scene in the movie that did make me laugh a lot. Refresh my memory, babe. You've seen Dumb and Dumber? I did, but it's been a long time. It's okay. been a long time. The sequel you can kind of skip, but the original is yeah. really funny. Yeah. There's a blind kid in the movie. <laughs> And Jim Carrey <laughs> sells him a dead parakeet. Yeah. Where the head should be. Jim Carrey just put on a piece of tape. <laughs> so it shows him and Jeff Daniels talking about it in the van mm-hmm. and saying, you sold the blind kid my dead parakeet? Mm-hmm. Then it flashes to the blind kid petting the dead parakeet and just saying, Polly want a cracker? Polly want a cracker? <laughs> Cracks me up. And there's no and there's no head. There's no head. He's suspending <laughs> the body. So I did not see this movie, and I and I, I think maybe we could watch it at some time. There's a movie called Scent of a Woman. I have seen it. Have you? Yeah. Was it? Wasn't there a part in the movie that um, the who is a blind guy? Val Kilmer? No, Al Pacino. Al Pacino was a blind guy, right? And didn't someone say, "Hey, there's something in the fridge," and then he ends up. Uh, Taking like a, a swig of like really rancid milk or whatever it was. I forgot what it I don't remember. Yeah, I have not seen that movie. It's, I heard it was good. It's a good movie. It's not maybe the best 
portrayal of blind people, but I liked it. Yeah, but I thought the the Gene Hackman character was funny, and yeah. the one girl with the the blender. I, I forgot what that that's gonna bug me, but I remember my sister saying, "Hey, there's a blind girl in the movie," and I I was <laughs> I was um she was putting all these things into a blender and trying to make some drinks or whatever, and it turned out really bad. But I cannot remember what movie it was. I have not seen it. Maybe if I look at Blind Blender Girl, maybe I'll find something. Mm. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, in sitcoms, too. I mean, whoever thought that all blind people count their steps when they want to find something? I never do. That's ridiculous to me. That is really ridiculous. I mean, it's one thing to have a frame of reference, right? Like a wall or you know, some kind of landmark to kind of figure out where you are, but... Who counts like twenty five steps just to get to a certain area? I don't. I don't. I don't get that. My but, theory on that, yeah, is that a writer at some point knew a blind person who may have been on the autism spectrum, mm. and he saw that blind guy counting steps, then decided that all blind people must do that. So I wrote it into a screenplay. They got made into a movie. I'm talking about a certain episode of the Golden Girls. I know we're kind of off track here. That's right. But I've I've gotten I was talking about an episode of the Golden Girls where um, Betty White's character Rose Nyland um, has her sister Lily over and she's losing her vision, and she feels like and she's an older woman. Um, in fact, I believe she was on Alice as Flo. Have not watched Alice. Okay. Well, she's a person that says, uh, kiss my grits. Um, you ever heard this, the, the expression, kiss my grits? Ice Cube did a song off the Predator album where he says that. Okay. Well, kiss my grits was a flow saying. Anyway, I think she's only on that show for just a little while. But anyway, I digress. Um, so she, uh, basic premise is that she is really handling her blindness very, very, very badly. She wants Rose to move back to Chicago with her because she wants her to help her for the rest of her life. And in a fit of, uh, you know, finally in desperation, Rose pleads with her, you have to go to the blind school in Chicago because you have to learn how to live with a blind person. Well, she finally goes to I think to pick her up at the airport I think she's visiting her or she's in Chicago I forgot I forgot what what happened with that she gets a guide dog and she says towards the end of the episode oh by the way uh there you have to be careful because there's like I think um I think she's either climbing uh she's either walking downstairs or whatever she goes there's like 25 steps and there's a piece of chewing gum on the ground and I'm like who does that I don't do that, but, but yeah, it, it was, it was, it was an, it was an inaccurate tr- portrayal of blindness, but I'm also, um, not really upset over it. Yeah. It's again, it's either some screenwriter yeah. saw a blind person did it or somebody on NPR did a story about it back in the day and now yeah. it's become a blind legend. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you kind of have to pick your battles, yeah. um, as far as this goes. So back to Young Frankenstein. Yes. And then I have a question about blindness for you. All right. Okay. What did you think of the movie overall? I thought it was funny. It was kind of weird. (laughs) 
it was it was weird because I I I know that they were um parodying the um thirties um thirties horror films, right? Pretty much, yeah. Um, it was odd. I thought the ending was really weird, but I can understand why you would think it was funny. I love I the ending of that movie where him and Terry Gar in bed together. Yes, 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 That's I know. Great. Yes, we don't want to spoil it for everybody. Go ahead. But no, I thought he did great. I thought he was just as insane <laughs> and really funny, and um, it's it's just very odd. I like that one part where he's doing a demonstration in class with that guy, right? How yeah, that's great. And he just up. like hits the guy, and he's like, Ooh. from the back, they're wheeling the the specimen out, and he's like, "Give that man an extra dollar." <laughs> it's funny. It's very funny. So you are glad that I showed it to you. I did. I I don't know why I didn't watch it earlier, but I've heard about it, and I heard it was really a classic, and I'm glad I watched it. That is great. That that was a Gene Wilder at his finest. Yes, both I would movies. Agree. Yes. I think that that's probably my favorite Gene Wilder film. What else was he in? He was in a bunch of movies with Richard Pryor. The one that I've oh, seen... Oh, yes. Oh, actually, I re- I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you I You do just... it a lot. Go ahead. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Yes, you do, too. Go ahead, babe. I'm listening, now that I've been interrupted. No, no, you finish it, because I did, and I'm, I, won't, I won't forget it. The one that I really... That stands out to me is Stir Crazy, with him and Richard Pryor. Okay, when did that one come out? Around 1980, directed okay. by Sidney Poitier. Po- the great Sidney Poitier. Yes. Um, so, sorry about the interruption again. Go ahead, I'm uh, used to it. I don't do that all the time. Sure. No, Keep I don't. Talking to you. No, I don't. Keep talking to you. I, you know I don't. Okay, okay. see no evil, hear no, hear no evil. I believe that was in 1987. I want to say 89, but keep 87 going. to 80, somewhere around there. I remember seeing it with my, my aunt and uncle. I really enjoyed it. He was, that was with, um, uh, I believe it was Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. Yes. Because Gene Wilder was a deaf guy. And Richard Pryor was a blind asshole. He called himself an asshole in the film, right? I Is don't that- remember that. I watched it, I, I haven't watched it in so long. That's the one but scene, it doesn't surprise me that he would call himself that in the film. That's one thing I remember where he's like... He's pretty, uh, he's pretty, um, he's pretty vulgar, that something one. Something like, um, I was, uh, I'm gonna, you know how I am with quotes, I bastardize them all the time, but it's something in the film of like, I, I was an asshole before, when I was sighted, and just because I'm blind now doesn't mean I can't be a blind asshole. Some people are like that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Not mentioning names. Because okay. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, he might have said that. It doesn't surprise me. He's kind of vulgar. He was vulgar. Um, doesn't surprise me. Uh, but it's been a it's been a long time since I saw it. But I really enjoyed it. There were some funny things in there. You were not a Richard Pryor fan. Um, I don't know too much of his stuff. I don't. But I also heard that he was like really heavy into drugs, very much an alcoholic. I think I heard an interview with his daughter uh, Rain Pryor. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, she said that he could be a very loving person, but he was very, very different, obviously, when he was on drugs. And it was very inconsistent, from what I understand. In the 1970s, the New Yorker did a profile on Richard Pryor that I thought was really good. And I'd be interested to get your thoughts on him after reading that, and maybe even after we watch Live on the Sunset Strip, if we ever do that. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's a story for another time, babe. Okay. So you're, uh, 
I'm so glad you enjoyed this film. I enjoyed it quite a bit, yes. It brings up a question about blindness. Ooh, really? Okay. Before we started doing this, yep. you were telling me a story about being invited to a party of a sighted friend back in your college days. Okay. You said that she was really nice and she had this brother who was awesome and all that stuff. Yes. And I'm wondering, not necessarily at this particular party, mm -hmm. but have you ever felt like the token blind person? What do you mean by the token blind person? Like, like everybody was focusing on that? Well, not necessarily that, but like, oh, Alana's here. She's the blind girl as opposed to, oh, it's Alana, my friend, and she happens to be blind. I never felt that way. I can honestly tell you that the friends that were really my friends... They never ever brought up the, the fact that, oh, this is a blind, this is my blind friend, right? Mm -hmm. I never ever had that problem. I'm so thankful that, that the side friends that I have had and still have, have never treated me like that. You just, oh yeah, my friend's blind, but you know they don't really focus on it at all. Actually, the people that the people that focus on it the most are the people that, either know my friends or they're strangers. And they just don't know how to deal with it. That makes sense. But I've never in my life that I could ever think of did my friends ever. Because if, if they did that, I wouldn't be their friends anymore. I would just completely not want to hang out with them. Because if that's what they want to focus on, then they're not really being friends with me. They're just focusing on my blindness. And that's my entire identity. Yes. You know? And there are people that do that and there and I've made some friends in the past that have a real knack for um relating to people with blindness even if they haven't had a lot of even if they haven't had a lot of experiences and I love those people I think it's great cuz some people do have that they have the knack for it and but I've never in my life have experienced being a token blind person there are people that may have been at parties that have asked me questions, but they're they're usually they're respectful. But I've never been like treated like, oh, that's the blind girl. That's my friend, the blind girl. Good. <laughs> and I'm I'm thankful about that. But I've known people that have said that their sisters or brothers will say, oh, that's my blind sister, and and in return, this person would say, oh, what if I said that you were my diabetic sister? You know. Right. You know, how would you feel if I told you? told them, oh, this is like my, my diabetic, overweight brother or whatever. And I've never had that happen. That's good, babe. So I'm very thankful about that. Have you felt that way in your own life? There have been occasions where I have, but I, w I also wonder how much of that is me just reading too much into the situation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there are cases where that's clearly going on. But again, it happens with strangers and not with friends, right? Yes, it it does. I think what really, really frustrates me is not so much the friends, because if they are really your true friends, they will know that. They should know that by now, right? If they are. Um, but it's just like strangers, like even bus drivers. I think we've talked about this before. I hate bus drivers. Um, no, 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 no. I mean, not in general. I mean, like certain bus drivers that I have had contact with that really don't understand, either they don't understand disabilities in general or they just don't understand blindness. Like they, they really want to, it's the ones that really are so ignorant that they just don't get it. And the ones that are like, 
that are actually really nice, but they just don't understand. May I share a story? Yes. Okay. You can. This is about this time last year, mm-hmm. before COVID. Mm-hmm. I'm hiking with two friends of mine who will go unnamed. Do I know them? Yes, you do. Okay. One of them has a very abrasive personality. Oh, yes. You okay. could probably guess yes, which one. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Uh-huh. We get done with the hike, do our thing, maybe have a couple of drinks. Actually, was this, this might have been after I stopped drinking. Mm-hmm. I can't remember now. I mean, anyways, somebody had drinks. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. Might have, been, might have been the same, might have been that same person you're talking about. But he wasn't drunk. Okay. okay. It was right. just like one or two at most. All right, right. Because this is around maybe like three in the afternoon. Yes. Mm-hmm. We get on the bus, mm-hmm. and my a friend, my friend who can be a little bit abrasive, very says to the Alana doesn't like this person. Well, I never said that. I'm just agreeing, but I'm I think it's all over the time. Okay. We're having some fun. Oh my goodness! Okay. You you tend to say stuff out of your. Uh, I think you need it. Well, I watched too much Ace Ventura. Okay. 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 Back to the story. Yes. We get on the bus. My friend says to the bus driver, hey, could you tell me, you know, such and such stop when we get there. And the guy says to him, if I remember, I will. That's right. That's right. Yeah. He says, if I remember, I will. Mm -hmm. And my friend responds by saying, well, what am I supposed to do if you don't remember? And he says, well, if I remember, I will. And he says, yeah, but I need you to say that stop. And he's like, sir, get on the bus. I need you to either get on or get off. Mm Mm-hmm. So this goes on for about a minute. We finally sit down. Mm-hmm. And this other passenger who was a real asshole, in my opinion. Really? Yes. To, to the bus to driver? To my friend. They, oh, to, okay. This other passenger was an asshole to my friend. He, and he's this guy who's like in his 50s, so. So real old guy. Yeah. I wouldn't say really old guy, but he starts telling my friend, you know, you're really rude to that bus driver. I hate the way you handle that. I used to be a bus driver, and I just want you to know I would have kicked you off the bus immediately. Really? And my friend, who I don't agree with on everything, turned around to the sky, and he said very calmly, what would you have done differently in my situation? Mm-hmm. And the guy just says, I, I just think you were really mean. Really? And this dickhead is getting off the bus. All right, enough vulgarity. Go on. He says to my friend, be nicer to your bus drivers, and walks off. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so that w- that sounded to me like it was very uncalled for. Not only because this guy was a stranger and he was a former... I, don't, I just think that in this case he should have been a little bit... He should have just been quiet about it because that was between him and the bus driver. I also do think, though, that if you are going to intervene mm-hmm. and my friend says something like, well, what would you have done differently? In a calm voice, because I was there. Yeah. Maybe give the person an answer. Exactly. I mean, so if I was the one that was a stranger, right, I think I would have handled it much differently. I would have said, excuse me, um, could you please explain what happened because I didn't like what you did. Can you tell me why why you felt that way? And then I would say something to that. Like if he asked me, what would you, what would you have done, right? Keep going. I, I, would, have give, I, would, have, I would have given it a man, an answer. Because I think, I'm, I'm guessing that that guy, whoever he was, that stranger that we don't know about, um, or I don't know about, that had to, um, had to uh, confront 
uh, confront that person, our friend, um, I, I think sometimes you really have to pick your battles, right? Yes. I mean, is it really that important to confront something you didn't want to, you didn't like? Is it really that important? Because if somebody, I mean, it's, it's different than if somebody was really in trouble. Somebody was being threatened. Somebody was trying to um, harass somebody else. But you didn't have to do that. It's just, it's so uncalled for to me. And if you are going to be confrontational, the person responds to you with kindness and asks for your advice in a loving way, you owe that person an answer at that point. Exactly. You don't just say, be nice to your bus drivers and leave and just not say anything because that was an idiot. That was, I mean, that was an... He just acted like an idiot. I mean, I totally agree with you on that. I think that, I mean... There were times where there were things that I really felt like I should have intervened and said something, and I didn't, and I regretted it. But I think at this, I think for this entire this story that you said, I think that probably wasn't a good time to intervene. It it just wasn't worth it, right? You know, because you guys were heading somewhere, and it was how where were you guys? Where were you guys heading to? From what place? We were downtown, and the plan was. Uh, we were going to get off somewhere in southeast around Belmont. Yeah, that's that's not right. I just think that there are times where people should just stay out of your business. And if they feel like they need to confront somebody about it, I would just stop and think for a bit. You know, talk, get your, you know, stop and collect yourself and cool off and then kindly say, excuse me, what was going on here? I just want to know what's going on because I didn't like what happened. And can you explain to me that instead of just like completely berating him and saying that was rude, you know. And as he's leaving, he's, he tries to say some slick shit to my friends, you know. Yeah, well, you probably won't see him again. I hope not. Yeah. I hope he had the COVID okay. No, I mean, it's it's true. I mean, there there are some times where you could be, it's... You could be, you could, you could stand up for yourself, but I think at this time, I think you could either stand up for yourself or, um, stand up for something. Uh, but then you, you kind of have, there's, there's times where you really should be quiet and just let it happen. Having said all that, I don't want to sound like a victim here right. because this always directed pretty much at my friend uh-huh. and not me. Uh-huh. There have been occasions where I've been around other blind people who are really embarrassing. Yeah. Have you ever had that happen, babe? Without oh, yeah. giving out names. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes, I have many times. Many, many times. How do you usually handle this? Situation? You mean like people I actually know? Yes. Um, you know, there are times where I I don't think that there was ever a time that I ever had to confront someone, but I can tell you that there are times where I felt like Oh, I should have done that. Why did I just keep on letting it go? Because it's one thing for it to happen once, but if this person does it over and over again, right, and completely puts their foot in their mouth, I have to say something. But I haven't had, I really, there are times where I really wish that I would have just spoken up and said very calmly, what is going on here? Why are you doing this? You know, but I I, I just feel, maybe I feel that I'm I'm not 
I'm not capable of confronting that person because I really don't like confrontation at all. I, I would rather not. I, 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 if I face it, I have to, if I have to face it, I have to face it, but I'm not generally a confrontational person at all. I don't like to start stuff with anybody. And it's hard if I see some kind of thing happening and my friend is really embarrassing and I don't know what to do about it. I haven't had to, I've never, so, so short answer, I've never had to, I never confronted somebody on that before. How did you handle it before? I usually <laughs> complain about the person. To somebody else. To somebody else. Like, uh, yes, me who too. Who I'm dating at the time. <laughs> me too. And I, sometimes <laughs> I'll go into this mode where I distance myself. I've done that too. I have done that too. And I think I've complained to you a lot about certain things too. And I've complained to you as well. <laughs> That's so much easier than dealing with the... the <laughs> The problem at hand, correct? And I don't believe that this is necessarily the best approach to it either. No, but you know, but then I, I ha- didn't I, haven't I told you before that eventually you're going to have to face it? Yes. And eventually I'm going to have to face it. Eventually I will have to talk to said person. If it ever comes up again and say, look, you have to really, really calm down here because this has happened before. I didn't... So... I'm going to bring something up. This person will not be nameless. What time will is be nameless. Will, will be nameless. No Excuse names. me. Go I'm sorry. I, I misspoke. What, what time is it, by the way? I think we're, we're good. We got, we got uh, some time. Go ahead. And um, I'll just say that there were times... This person is not blind, by the way. There were times where I have been the brunt of somebody's anger. And whether I actually did something wrong or whether they were just having a horrible day and they want someone to take it out on. And the last time it happened to me, this person, I will give this person credit, they did apologize the next day. But what I should have said, and, and already I was already over, but what I should have said was, you know, this has been going on for a while and I don't like being the brunt of your attitude and I would really appreciate it if you did feel badly the next time to really cool off before you talk to me because if it isn't about me then don't talk about it don't mention it because it really it turned out it really wasn't about me it was about her and what this person was going through and I didn't say anything and I'm just like oh why did I do that why did I not do that I think it's because I was just so over it and I was just thinking about other stuff and I'm just um what I should have done in the moment when this was going on, what I feel like I should have done, I could have either either come to her and say, don't do this again after the fact, but I also could have done that during the moment and say, you are not going to do this to me again. I'm not going to let you do this again. And just go walk away and let both of us cool off. Because then that would diffuse the situation and nobody would get yelled at and and I didn't do any of that. So I don't know. I hope maybe in some ways I kind of hope I had that opportunity, but I I wish I would have done that. <laughs> I re- I totally re- regret it. You live and you learn. Yes. yes. And then you get loves. And then you get really <laughs> loves is a, is a, that was in a diapers commercial. Uh-oh. <laughs> you live, you learn, you get loves. I don't have babies. I don't either. 
And if I did, you know, there's always the orphanage, so. No, I was talking about love diapers. Okay. And I would say, or you could go the orphanage route. Oh. I don't like dealing with my own shit. Why would I want to deal with somebody else's? Um, that's a dumb joke, babe. I didn't get that, but who wants to deal with anyone's poop? Uh-oh. Poo-poo. Uh-oh, gee, well. We had an experience with dinner the other night. Oh, uh, last night? Are yes. you talking about that? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Do what? So. Wait, wait, wait. Well, give give a little backstory and then I can. Okay. You had talked to somebody on the phone. I'm not going to say who. No. Let's just say somebody you're very close to. Yes. And somebody who's dealt with your shit before. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> you come out and you're you're on fire you're angry you're you're mean alana and you start yelling at me i like, wasn't that mean i was a little bit i will admit i was a little bit short and snappy and i, I i'm usually not that way i'm usually a, a kinder person but i was really I'm, irritated yeah i'm telling a story babe i know and but I'm but I'm, I'm I'm talking in my defense here. Okay. Very good. Yeah. You start telling me I don't want to chop this onion for our pasta. You know we're just going to use these tomatoes, and I'm like, do we have any other uh, vegetables or anything? You're like, no, we're just going to chop these. So I, I'm trying to figure out how to make. I didn't see it that way, actually. I'm figuring out how to make just tomatoes work. Yes. I pull. I find some Italian dressing. Yep. I pour it in with the tomatoes and a little bit of garlic. Then you say, where's the tomato sauce at? I didn't say that. How did you raise it? I didn't say it like that. Go ahead. I just said, oh, um, I think I said something to the effect like, oh, if you're done, when you're done with the tomato sauce, just put it in the garbage. Well, I, I, um, I, real, I realized after talking about it, I'm like, wait a minute. I thought I said something about tomato sauce because I, or I thought that, my understanding was that we were going to put tomato sauce in there with tomatoes. And I just, I completely, I think because I was so irritated that I didn't even think about um, what I was saying until I said it. And so, but he agreed uh, for, he, he said, okay, just give me the tomato sauce. And we, so he puts, he pours the tomato sauce in there with all the spices and the tomatoes uh, because, you know, that, um, and, and the dressing too, right? Yep. And, um, I, I did apologize very... The, uh, we should specify the dressing was already in there or else I would not have added it. Right. The dressing was already in there. Okay. Um, and, um, I, I will say that after thinking about it and apologizing because I really, I thought we talked about tomato sauce for some reason, I did not, I didn't think that we didn't talk about it and and I was just assuming that because you know that that it would require tomato sauce even though there was tomatoes um that's how it was going to be well I did apologize because I said look I'm sorry I'm I'm still a little irritated with my mom mementos yeah that we're talking about on the phone I was still irritated with the phone call, I'll say, yes. that um, I, I, I was still irritated with the phone call, and I was just a little bit upset because this person just kept going on and on and on and on and on, and wouldn't let me get off the phone, 
and talked about cooking and on and on and on and on and what have you. And, and I just was just annoyed and I took it out on him and I, and I, I, I apologized and we went on with dinner and it actually turned out really good. Good. But then you looked in the fridge and you saw a bell pepper and you're like, oh, we could use this bell pepper sometime. Oh, no. And then I forgot about that. I'm like, wait a minute. Well, well, I mean, okay, so we're, we are playing to make this Mexican thing tonight. Yes. Do you put bell peppers in your Mexican stuff? Half and half. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Okay. Um, we haven't used a bell pepper. I don't know if it'll still be good next week. It might be. But if you want to, we can use that. That might be good. And we will use onion tonight. Very good. And I am in a better mood. I hope so. No, I am. No, I'm, I'm, and you, you, after you take stuff out on me, you always apologize. I do because I feel horrible and I, and I apologize right away. I don't wait till the next day. You always try to make it better. You always say you're sorry afterwards. What what are you trying to say, Blub? Trying to say that, uh, this might be a cry for, for help from me. I'm just having some fun, Jewel. Oh. But you like the way the pasta turned out. It was really good. It was really, really good. I, I'm, I know that the the tomato sauce was not supposed to be in there now, but it really added a lot of flavor to it, yes. and so did the rest of the stuff. So anyway, and so I told him afterwards. I said, "Okay, we're even. You were snappy last week. I was no. Snappy you were more I... snappy than I was. No, no, yes, no. You were. Really? Oh yes, by far. It's not. I mean, we weren't recording, but it wasn't even the same league. There were, but, it wasn't even comparable. You were way more snappy. Really? Yes. I wasn't that snappy. I was like was a I? little snappy and kind of upset. No, no, no. You were very, you were very rude, actually. Well, you forgot this part. Hey, no. I did, I did, I did not, I did not yell. I didn't raise my voice. I was a little bit upset. Yes, I. Maybe I didn't communicate right, and that that that's probably because I was very upset and. And I and I did apologize for it, but I wasn't. That was. I think you're over exaggerating here. Your I don't think so. And I did apologize right afterwards. I'm glad that the food turned out. Give me a kiss. I need a kiss. Okay. Okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 Um. So so long story short, we we got through those things and everything is okay, including and, our dinner. Including our dinner and um, oh yes, we had to mention. Go ahead. We made some really, really good cupcakes last yesterday. I thought we may have talked about that before, but in case not, I don't we, think t- it is. we took my sourdough, banana sourdough bread recipe, and divided it up into cupcakes, made two tins. They turned out very delicious. Oh, and they're still good today. Mm-hmm. They're still good, and they're holding up. So we made the mistake of eating some of them after they just got out of the oven, and don't do that because it sticks to the paper. To the liners. It does. <laughs> <laughs> but it turned out so good. May I make a suggestion, my dear? I'm listening, my dear. Do you think it would taste really good if we made them again with walnuts? We could try that. Cranberries, bananas, chocolate chips, and walnuts. Oh, that my goodness, work, that would babe. taste really good. I love the way the cranberries and chocolate taste in there. It's the so good. Yes, it's very good. I never would have thought of putting cranberries in it, but I think you uh, you turned me on to that. And, okay. and I don't eat cranberries by itself very often, but I don't I don't really eat a lot of cranberries. But 
They're good. Have you tried craisins? I'm not the biggest fan of craisins, to be honest. I'm not really a big fan of eating cranberries by themselves. I mean, I will have some. And I don't like cranberry juice. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll drink cranberry juice if it has, like, grape in it. But I'm not really a cranberry person unless it's in something. Does that make sense? I hear you on that one. I do like them, but I get that they're not for everybody. But cranberry juice is good for your kidneys. I remember Yeah, I've heard that. I remember uh, one of my um, house parents at the school that I went to used to say, um, you know, cranberry juice is good for your kidneys. Your your mouth says, ugh, but your kidneys say, yay. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was so funny. Oh, he was he was an interesting guy. Mm. Yeah, and we can talk about blind school experiences later in later podcasts. Yes. JLO. Yes. We also watched two episodes of Deep Space Nine. Oh my gosh, they were so good. They were really good. I wasn't sure if you were going to like these ones or not. I did. I enjoyed them a lot. Let's start with the first one we watched with Quark dating a Klingon. That was odd. Tell me. Well, because the Klingons, to me, and learning about the Klingons, it just seems so barbaric, right? Yes. They like to fight to the battle. They listen to really odd Klingon opera. (laughs) Um, They think that um, eating, uh, what is that called? Linta? Yes. I don't know what it is. A leg of Linta, which apparently to uh, Quark was really, really bad food. I know that they eat live stuff, though. Ugh. Well, so do, so do uh, Ferengis. Yes. Gross. And, um, you know, appar- apparently um, they were only... So the, the, the Klingon lady used to be Quark's ex-wife. Grilka used to be Quark, Quark's ex-wife, and they weren't even used married. Used to be his wife. I'm sorry, used to be his wife. And they weren't even married for that long. I, I misspoke. Um, they weren't even married for that long. Is that right? That would be my assumption. Right, but he still finds her very, very attractive. Meanwhile, Worf is also attracted to Grilka. And Worf is a Klingon, but he knows that he can't be with her for various reasons. Yeah, for various reasons. He comes from a a dishonored house. Yes. The house of Moog. And he was raised by humans. And he, you know, he took the side of the Federation, which is what brought dishonor upon his family. Yes, he, he takes the side of... He, he's on the side of humans. Humans. Right. Keep going, babe. So he knows that he can't be with this lady. And <laughs> there's some funny things where uh, they're in the... Uh, was it the hollow suite? Yes. And Dax and Worf and uh, Quark are fighting. And Quark is trying to learn the Klingon language. And Worf is like, you're saying the words, but I don't feel it. <laughs> <laughs> And it's it's hilarious. It's just so funny. Well, then, I don't really want to give too much away because it's such a good episode. Okay. I do think we should say something that happened at the end of it that goes into later episodes. Yes. Which is that Jadzia Dax hooks up with your with uh, Worf. Were you going to say your, your guy Worf? <laughs> is that what you're going to say? It your looks, man, Worf. Maybe your buddy. Your but buddy, Worf. <laughs> caught on that before. Not my buddy. Okay. But they become an item. What did you think about this? I thought it was very odd. I would have never thought that that Worf and Dax would ever get together, honestly. I just thought they were just friends. 
Well, because, you know, Worf, Worf is so closed off in some ways. You, am I correct? I would say that. He's very closed off. He doesn't know how to have fun because of something in his past that I won't go into. But he doesn't know how to let loose, and Dax knows how to have fun. Worf is really serious. There's so much I want to say because I know how things end. Mm, I but I will, I will remain cometless. Refrain. Refrain from it, yes. please. Remain cometless and refrain from saying any more. What was the other episode we saw about? Um, that was the one, the Ryza episode. That was very odd. Go into it. I enjoyed it. So, these, so, Worf and Dax, um, Julian, Bashir, and Lita, and Quark, who's by himself, they all go to this planet, which is a pleasure planet called Ryza. Um... You know, and people are talking about Ryza, like, oh, we had some good times in Ryza. Now, what I didn't realize in tor- towards the end of the movie, or the episode, is that the, the person, um, Arandis, who is the, um, the direct, uh, was it, she was the, ter- the caretaker of Ryza, I think. Or at least of that particular spot of the planet. Right. Um, was played by Vanessa Williams, who's been in a lot of things. Very uh, talented woman she is. Um... You know, you find out about um, her relationship with Curzon, who was Dax's former host. She killed Curzon. Yes, she but did. But in the best way ever. Uh, apparently. Mm-hmm. And so she has a really good relationship with Dax. Meanwhile, Worf and Dax's relationship is on the brink of ending. Uh, Julian and Lita have a weird relationship because um, they are or Lita, rather, is into other men, and Julian... Was Julian with another woman? Yes. They were both with another woman, but they were celebrating the parting of ways. <laughs> <laughs> that is so odd, and this is, it's a Klingon tradition. No, it's Bajoran. No, I'm sorry, it's a Bajoran, Bajoran uh, tradition, an old tradition uh, couples use. Apparently, I missed the ridges on... Lita's nose. She's, in fact, a Bajoran. Because I thought she was human. I thought that, too. Right. But I'm a blind guy, so I'll miss details <laughs> once in a while. Are they huge ridges that, that, that the Bajorans have? They're okay-sized ridges. They're nothing like Klingons or Cardassians, though. Okay, so they're, they're... just on the nose. Oh, okay. So I they're like, like bumps, right? No, they're, they're like uh, kind of like lines. Oh, wow. Yeah. But really? Keep, keep going, babe. Yeah. So I thought that, that Julian and Lita's relationship was very weird, and Worf was really upset over that. Meanwhile, his relationship with Dax is on the brink. Um, there's a guy from the Federation who wants to take over Ryza and bring it back to the values of the Federation. So he's like this like crazy dictator type of a person. Um, the weather grid is eventually... Um, Affected and it rained, so Worf made made it rain. Yep, I told you he would. He made it rain, literally, made it rain. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, no pun intended. No. He made it rain, and uh, trying to get the people out of Riza. Well, eventually, 
the grid. So, so would you like to continue? Because I could tell, I could see this the whole story, but I don't want, I don't want to take over your, okay, your telling. The guy you were talking about, the crazy dude, yeah. was part of this thing called the Essentialist Movement. Yes, yes. He sees Ryza as a big distraction of the Federation preparing to fight its enemies. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, the Borg or the Romulans, the Romulans mm-hmm. or the Dominion. Right. Which is why he's so hell-bent on bringing his version of reality to Ryza. Mm-hmm. Worf made it rain... Because he believed that the essentialist movement made a lot of good points. Yes. He's also kind of uptight on this vacation. Yes, he is. Because of various things which have already been discussed. Yeah. Near the end of the episode, uh, these, the essentialists decide to cause an earthquake on Ryza. Mm-hmm. Worf goes in. He realizes that he's wrong after a conversation with Jadzia. He gets them to stop. He leaves the planet and everybody goes home. Right. Mm-hmm. What did you think of Worf in this episode? Um, I think that this episode really, really um, showcases just how just how serious this guy is. Like he really doesn't know how to have fun. He really doesn't know how to enjoy life. And Dax is trying to open up his mind to things that are actually fun you know he, he was just really really whitely uh, a tightly wound up i almost said that backwards he, he he was really tightly wound up and just did not he was just very very rigid is that the right word i would say that very rigid yeah i enjoyed it though i really did and explain again the dominion part because i missed it basically when the dude is giving the speech yeah He's talking about the enemies of the Federation, and he's like, listen, this planet would will lull you into a false sense of security, and how's that going to work when we have an attack by our enemies? And one of the enemies he mentions are the Dominion. Right, okay, okay. And he, he kind of reminded me of um, Kai Wen. I could kind of see that. Except Kai Wen was crazier. Yeah. Kai Wen was very crazy. Um, well, Kai Wen is very self-absorbed. Very but she hides it in these religious, right? You know, subtext. She's under. She's hiding behind a religious mask. Yes. But this guy, uh, no bones about it. I mean, he really wanted to um, destroy Ryza for what it is and turn it into a Federationist planet. Well, no, it, or uh, rather, uh, back to the Federation, Federationist uh, values. That would be a better way of wording. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, but that's, that's, I think I was all. I really enjoyed the episode. I did too. I don't know how much I enjoy Worf. Because it's not only is he tightly wound, he helps ruin everybody else's vacation. Yeah, I I think that Worf could have been a better person in this episode. Is that is that is that right? I hear you with that one. You know what I mean? He could have been a better character. I mean, I still like Worf, of course. But he just was so rigid about everything and Dax was like you can't run my life and you know you're still upset about such and I think his name was Baudet right yes yeah and he's still upset with that and you know you know there's just like a lot of problems coming to the surface that they were having but they never discussed it it was good though it was very good I'm glad you're enjoying it babe I am 
I am. I, I think I do have an appreciation for Quark, too. <laughs> yes. Yes. He's not all that bad. No. <laughs> but I also like, you know... He's I. He's not I, all that good, either. He's not all that good, either. He's kind of in the middle. I really... I actually kind of like Rom. I told you that before. You did. Well, what did you think of the reveal in this episode? That was weird. I couldn't imagine that, because, you know, Lita sounds like a fairly smart woman. You know, she seems very intelligent. But Rom, Rom, Rom is very likable, but I don't think he's so bright. If I had to speculate, I think she started looking at him a new way during the episode Bar Association. You might be right about that, yeah, because Mm -hmm. he showed that he really had a backbone. He could stand up for himself, and he wasn't this, you know... um, this, he wasn't this uh, fuddy-duddy of a younger brother in Quark. Very good thing. I don't know if fuddy-duddy is the right word to describe him, but he was just, uh, he was just uh, a, spineless, a spineless Ferengi. Yeah, I mean, if this was 1909, it would be a perfect terminology. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. Alana. Yes. You had a dream last night? Yeah. Um, I did. <laughs> do you not want to go there? Um, I'll just say it this way. I had a dream that I was on the phone with an old friend of mine from high school, and I think she was calling me from a camp, and she stopped talking to me, and all of a sudden I heard some kind of breathing or whatever, and I said, I, I asked her name. I almost said her name. I asked her, I asked I said her name, and I'm like, hello, hello, are you there, hello? And then I wake up and I hear the same thing, and it wasn't in my dream. But that's all I'm going to say about that. Okay. (laughs) Should I speak about my experience listening to the BBC last night? No, because it's not a real experience. Okay. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about, J-Lo? What about your deja vu this morning? Yeah, that was weird. Because I was, I was, um, I, I put your, I put the cupcake pan in the, um, the cabinet or something. And and you're telling me about it. And I stopped you. I'm like, we've had this conversation before. I remember you having that conversation. And the only thing I could think of is I must've had a dream some months back where you're talking to me about a cupcake pan. But then you kind of like said, Hey, listen, bro, uh, I've been talking <laughs> about getting you a cupcake pan for a while. You're probably getting this a little bit wrong. I think it was just deja vu. I mean, I've had that happen before where, didn't I hear that before? Didn't I hear this a long time ago and someone just repeating it? And it's weird, isn't it odd? It is. So you were just, I believe it was just deja vu, but you have, you are right. You, I, I, you have heard me tell you about a cupcake pan. I'm just, it's just repeating on in your head. Okay. But I've had that happen before. It is weird. But I could have sworn... I had an experience where you put a cupcake pan in a drawer and tell me that you're doing it. That's weird. Which makes me think, it obviously happened in a dream. It or may have been like in that. a dream, yeah, but I don't remember doing it before. No, you didn't do it before. So no, it had I didn't. to be a situation like this. Or well, you wait. know what, babe? What? You gave it to me like a week ago or two weeks ago. Yes. And you said that you were putting it in a drawer. That's what I did. Yeah, I said I was going to put it in a. I, I was going to put it in the cabinet. That might have been it. The but. mind is so tricky, isn't it? It is very tricky. Tricky. It could trick you into thinking that you dreamed it, but then you think about it and you're like, wait a minute, didn't you say that like <laughs> two weeks on this day 
Apparently. Yeah, I did tell you that. I did. I actually was thinking about that as you were talking about it. Wait a minute. I told you I was going to put your your pan in this cabinet like a couple weeks ago. So that must have been what it was. It was It was literally a couple weeks ago. It was. Yeah. So I. it, it might have been that. And But then there are some times where I had these really weird deja vu experiences where... Somebody will, like, if I'm sitting somewhere in a room and someone's speaking and I, I'm i like, did I just hear that somewhere? The exact words that this person is saying. This is, it's very weird. Your mind is a, the mind is a very interesting, uh, an interesting thing how it works. I was listening to Tower of Rock one day. Yes. What time is it? We, we I got a little bit of time. We're going to wrap up soon. All right. She was quoting somebody else. Mm-hmm. But I, I loved it. It's, and she's basically saying, your mind is like a really, really bad neighborhood at night. <laughs> Nobody should go there alone. I yeah. thought that was great. Yeah. Yes. Well, if we were able to journey into people's minds, I don't think I'd want to do that. No. If, and, and I would imagine, like, if you, were, if you had the ability to journey into somebody's mind, take a trip into somebody's mind, there's probably sections of it, right? You could probably go to the creative section or the food section. I mean, it's, it, it, it would be very strange, but I don't, I obvi- I don't think in all um, that I'm glad that we can't take a trip into anybody's mind because I think I don't know that we would be able to get out of it. <laughs> like that uh, being John Malkovich movie. Uh, I don't believe I watched it, but I heard it was really good. That's an interesting... I think it's on Netflix, right? Isn't there a real John Malkovich? Yes. And he's in the movie. Wow. Really? Yes. So he's an actor. He is. He was in, uh... Of course, I'm... Not coming to my mind. Uh, the the film that is coming to my mind, besides for this one, is, um, Con Air. He was Mm. one of the convicts in that movie. I didn't really care for Conair. I didn't either, but it was it, it's okay. the best I could do off the top of my head with him. It's okay. There was a foreign film that I did not watch all the way, but I heard it's a beautiful looking film and it's called Life is Beautiful. It's a it's a foreign film though. Roberto Benigni. Roberto Benigni and I believe it's all in Italian. Yeah, that's the one thing that really sucks about being a blind person. Not the one thing, but it's very hard to watch foreign films. You would have to have someone cited like Read it to you. Now, um, there is a, a film that I, I really did enjoy called The Joyla Club. And there are a few subtitles, but it's not throughout the movie. There is a lot of English. And, and I read the book as well, and it's a really good movie. I might have to check that out one day, babe. The Joyla Club, yep. Yes. It's good. Very good. Anywho. Anywho. Is there anything else you wanted to say? Uh, no, I think um, I have... Uh, Said all I needed to say and um, apologize for yesterday. <laughs> I accept it. You know, what else am I going to do? You it, always it say will... you're sorry afterwards. and um, what, what? What? Why? What are, you, what are you talking about? I'm joking, babe. I need a kiss, though. Oh, we've been kissing a lot during this episode. Mm. 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 Okay, okay, okay. All right. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I, um, thank you for accepting. I'm done with what I have to say, and that's it. All right. I love you, babe. I love you, too. All right. Till next time, okay? Until next time, happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. <laughs>